Welcome to Collaboration Dynamics, where we find out how working together makes sense for real people. With Judy Reese, virtual collaboration consultant, best-selling author and master of metaphor. Hello and welcome to Collaboration Dynamics. I'm Judy Reese, and with me today is Julie McCracken. Hello, Julie. Hi, Judy. Great to have you on on the podcast, not least because it means that your book has finally been published, which I'm very excited about. So would you like to introduce yourself and what you do in the way of collaboration? Okay. Um, my name's Julie McCracken. Um, I've been a teacher since 1973. Um, I've taught in um, key stage one, which is infants, key stage two, which is juniors, and key stage three, which is secondary. Um, for I think in the year 2000, I trained to be a coach, and I used the coaching skills to to um, teach more effectively, basically. Then I moved on to learn NLP, and I applied the NLP in the classroom. And then in 2007, I did a training course summer school at Cambridge with you and Wendy Sullivan and since then in fact just before then I was using clean language in the classroom um, uh, with some help from an NLP called Jeff Tuff and um, I've been working on developing the use of clean language since then um, I've dried up. <laughs> I to cut that bit out. And you've finally got the book published. You've written a book about it all and you've got the book published. Oh, yeah. So it turned into a project because lots of people kept asking me to write it down and it became uh, quite a long scale project, with it, which I intended to finish in 2012. And since then, it's been a long haul to pull it together into a book. So I'm very pleased it's out next week. And I no longer have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> and so this uh, podcast, although it has a lot of clean language in it, it's mostly about collaboration. Mm -hmm. So in terms of getting a book out there and published, um, what kind of collaboration needs to happen? So from my perspective, the collaboration that has happened has been... Um, in the beginning, um, an awful lot of support from people around me to actually do the thing. You know, um, it's involved not so much getting together and having a formal project, but almost everywhere I've been in any kind of clean community, people have said, um, are you getting this down? How's the book coming along? And just ask those questions, which is his um almost pulled me along to do the book it it became almost like i couldn't not do it mm -hmm. um not in a pressured kind of a way but i come from a place where when i was at school myself the longest piece of writing i was able to do um was a on a piece of paper that's smaller than an a4 piece of paper um you know that was that was the pinnacle of my achievement. I was very wanting um, in the ability to write, and I didn't get a lot of help with that. And I didn't worry about it. Um, I passed my exams and everything, 
but Mm -hmm. I've always known that to be my weakness. And so the thought of writing a book had never occurred to me. And if it had occurred to me, I think I would have thought, well, I can't do it. So having people believe that I'd got something um, worth saying, um, something to offer, and having people just by small, consistent comments allowing me to think that not only was it worth saying, but actually it would be helpful to other people mm-hmm. to have it have it down and out there. Um, and those small, consistent comments pulled yeah, you along? They did, yeah. What kind of pulled you along? Well, sometimes it, it pulled me, it was pulling forward mm-hmm. always. Um, sometimes it digged me a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more than others. Sometimes it was gentle and sometimes it was a bit of a yank. <laughs> um, <laughs> depending on who it was that said it and the tone. And, and what I noticed with that pulling, um, it kind of came in waves. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like a tug of war, I suppose, because sometimes I pulled back. Mm. So I put it down and walked away and then found that it was tied to my waist. So I got <laughs> far, like, one, you know, those dogs on um, on those elastic leads mm. and they think they're free. <laughs> <laughs> and they go quite a long way and they're just about to go whoopee and leap and dance and sing and um, they get to the end of it and it tugs them back. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. It also helped helped hold on to me when, because during the course of this book, um, life goes on when mm. you do a project, as we all know. But during the course of it, my husband nearly died twice, and um, uh, my daughter had problems with childbirth, and my my grandson had to have open heart surgery at four days. So there were kind of some big things happening, which may have which may have resulted in me just putting the book down and forgetting it. Um, but it meant that in between hiccups like that, and then I returned to it because uh, mm. I was attached. <coughs> mm. so you were attached and you kept returning to it like one of those dogs on an elastic lead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm already starting to ask you about your metaphors, but um, I usually ask specifically when you are collaborating at your best mm-hmm. you're like what i'm like a dancer mm-hmm. what yeah. kind of dancer even when i'm a dog on a lead <laughs> do frolic at the end of that lead um and uh, like a dancer in sense that um i can smoothly glide along but i can also twirl and change direction I'm flexible um strong um I put in the graft you know to be a good mm. dancer there's an awful lot of behind the scenes um practice 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 um strength and flexibility based exercise to get you to a point where you can actually do the moves mm-hmm. um and in terms of practice 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 that aligns with me to reflection, reflection, reflection. Um, it's practice, but look again. Um, practice and um, feedback. Practice and feedback. So the practice is constantly moving forward rather mm. than doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. I think of that as dynamic practice. 
So dynamic practice and practice and feedback. Mm -hmm. What kind of feedback? Well, in terms of um, writing a book, the the feedback is, I suppose it's similar to dancing because I don't know, it probably is possible, I'm dancing at the moment as I'm talking to you, um, it probably is possible to move and improve your technique without feedback externally, but it's probably not possible to... Um, to work in a collaborative way and sort of meet the needs of an audience or something like that, um, unless you have some external feedback because you need to know what this is like for people out there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the same with writing a book, you know. Mm-hmm. it's It wasn't just a case of me jotting down what I wanted in there. It was a case of taking views from other people and the feedback I've got from this was from people in at Crown House that have been immensely patient and um, supportive um, from people like you and, and Wendy and Marion, um, Penny and James and people know who those people are. A lot of the people who are listening to this won't have any clue who those people are, but uh, because they won't be clean language enthusiasts. But uh, the clean language enthusiasts who are listening will know who those people are. <laughs> so, so all of those people are, are are people who know clean language in their bones and, um, in fact, developed clean language, some of them. And so I had that clean language feedback. Mm-hmm. So... Um, to ensure that that what I was putting in there was accurate in terms of clean language. Um, I've also had feedback from um, other teachers, teaching assistants, the work that I did with other teachers, and from children. And the feedback from children is kind of central to it because not only is it useful in terms of writing, writing the book, but it's part of what the book's about, you know. It's about mm. listening to children and really listening and respecting children in the sense of them being capable of knowing what it is they want to say. One of the stories that struck me most in the book was about your collaboration with the children, was mm-hmm. the story about where you were creating a school play. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about that? In December, in most infant classrooms, something happens to produce some kind of play, a dance or a song, and they're usually collaborative efforts um, within classes or between classes. And um, this particular year and ever since then, I've used clean language to facilitate the children to be able to produce, uh, create and produce the play themselves without any content input from me. So I don't tell them what to do or what it should be like. Um, And this story in my book describes the first time I did it. Um, One of the things that comes out of it is that even though I was experienced and felt very confident that this would work and it would support the children best, um, I I still lost my confidence at various points because I wanted to hold 
hold um, fast and be what we call clean, that is not give the children um, input, content input. And um, I didn't do it on a couple of occasions, but by and large, I just facilitated them. So I asked them these particular questions, the clean questions, which are um, anything else about what kind of um, and what what just happened and what would you like to have happen next? Um, Questions like that. And they decided what they wanted to do. And, and it was such an interesting experience because the children came together as a group. Um, they discussed things, worked things out. At, at one point, there was almost um, an argument where they just couldn't agree and people were being horrible to each other. And then I, somebody came to me and said, you know, we're being horrible to the others. And, and I said, I'm, I'm being horrible to the others. And when being horrible to the others, what would you like to have happen? And um, he thought through what what he thought should happen and went back and told the others. And that sorted the arguing out and they got on and carried on with their work. So I didn't have to take command, which previous to using clean language, I would have felt that I needed to take take command at points like that. Mm. Um, The upshot was that they put together a really fantastic... um, play which included singing and dancing um, which would have been a nightmare if I was uh, actually having to um, choreograph it all and tell them what to do and come up with um, the words and the the stage directions and everything I didn't have to do any of that they did it all themselves and one of the outcomes was because they worked it all out themselves they didn't need reminding they knew it Mm -hmm. and Usually, children who've been taught to do a play need to, to need to be shepherded along, and you know we're talking very little children, four-year-olds, and told what to do and reminded. And usually, they get very nervous. Um, um, individual children um, are precocious and and love that kind of thing, but most of them get very nervous and then forget what they're going to say and then turn for a prompt. Um, but what I found is using clean language, they learn to collaborate with each other. They become more and more confident if they help each other with things like nerves and they don't forget what they're supposed to do. And crucially, usually during these events, the person that's or the people that are up practising on the stage, um, they're doing what they're doing and the focus is on them. But the people that have to sit waiting for their turn to come and practise, um, for their cue, usually lose sight of what's happening and begin to chatter or natter and sometimes behaviour problems will emerge then. And so a teacher usually has to have quite a big eye on keeping control of all the people that are not actually active in the thing at the moment. And so it's quite often telling's off going on, you know, asking them to sit still and be quiet. Throughout the whole of this, you know, the whole of December, all their practice, I didn't have to tell anybody to sit still and be quiet once because they were all so engaged with what they were doing. And so it made a big difference. But... So, so just to reiterate what you've just said, I think what I've heard you just say is that a group of four and five-year-olds created and performed their own Christmas um, play, including singing and dancing, without you having to take commands. Mm-hmm. And without arguing about it, 
And when some people were practicing and some people were watching, you didn't even have to tell them to keep quiet. No. Um, Which all... is a pretty powerful way yeah. of collaborating. Yeah, very, very powerful. And that's, that was the, uh, that was my biggest um, outright experiment, if you like. But that kind of collaboration came on the back of having worked using these techniques in the classroom so that actually their everyday way of approaching things is in that collaborative way. So, you know, if it's a maths lesson and we're learning to add up, then everybody will join in and consider what needs to happen for us to be able to learn this thing mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. go on to learn it themselves. So, And the, these kids, though, presumably have been working in that way since September. Yeah. So they'd only had a couple of months. Well, how it worked in the school I was working is they're mixed age groups. Mm -hmm. So some of them... Some of them will be four, some of them will be five, so there'll be two year groups. Right. And and in amongst it was the whole of the infants, so some of them would be six and some of them would be seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and that makes it even more interesting. So. Yeah. Well, because the older ones are modelling for the younger ones. How amazing. And so when that kind of collaboration was happening, what happened to the dancer? that is you when you're collaborating at your best? So when that's happening, um, as a dancer, I'm almost poised on my tippy toes with my arms stretched up high in um, almost a balletic, I don't know what the, what the, um, what the pose is, mm. <laughs> but, you know, in a poised dynamic stillness, and there's a kind of stepping backwards. Mm -hmm. So step back with poise, step back with poise, step back with poise. Um, always aware as aware of um, the space between you and the other dancers. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happens when you're collaborating with a group of children on a school performance and is that the same or different to collaborating to get a book published um to get a book published i think is different from creating the book mm -hmm. so creating the book um came from all of that dancing and stepping back and dancing and stepping back mm -hmm. the 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 writing of the book was more the uh, backroom practice mm -hmm. yeah and the getting the book published i think that's more um like um you know I don't know why, but ballet. This is ballet. You can't see me, but I'm <laughs> ballet movements with my arms as I talk. And um, you know when the principal ballerina, uh, imagine we're Swan Lake, and she's going backwards and backwards and backwards, and then her arms sweep around, and the other dancer comes in and circles, and then they kind of move together. Mm -hmm. And that's when. 
other people, you were one of them, gave me feedback on the final, uh, what I thought at the time was the final version. Um, <laughs> and I've had, I think, five final versions. <laughs> <laughs> and And so that's where someone from outside sweeps in and that changes what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, where they go, I'll go. As they turn, I'll turn. And so it's it alternates over who's leading and who's following. Um, and other people come in. So people will come and then leave and come and then leave. So um, I'm seeing myself on the stage at the moment with people coming in, joining in the dance, doing their motif, and then off. And at times there were lots of people and at times people were taking it turns, you know, one at a time. And mm-hmm. then think. And then finally it's it's almost like the final part is um with a flourish <laughs> um over to you and the next person takes on the lead and I go off stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the next person would be someone who reads the book and uh, does well, something with it. Actually, that's not that's no? not because I think what <laughs> that part is when it's over to the publisher at the mm-hmm. point it's at now. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing nothing with it. They've got it, and they're doing their dance, mm-hmm. and their dance I think is a completely different style. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see that as more um, jerky and and has machine noise. Um, music in the background and they yeah and they might have a bit of break dancing in there <laughs> and then then the next part will be um when it's on the bookshelves it's it's on amazon at the moment and when people then take that that to me is more like they are opening their box seeing their dance shoes and putting them on Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'll take them out, they'll put them on, and then they'll do something with those dance shoes um, that I might not even recognise, but mm-hmm. they'll take it on in their own way. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how interesting. And and we're going to start to run out of time in a moment now. One of the sets of people that I'm curious about, um, so when all of that, so there's the dancer and someone comes in and sweeps in and and then it one person's leading then the other person's leading and then hand over to the publisher and then that's that jerky machine um music kind of feel and then to the um people who are buying the book who get their shoes in the box mm-hmm. now you mentioned before about reviewers and some of the brilliant reviews you've had where would reviewers fit in that structure? Well, reviewers, um, I think reviewers, are. Um, it's a special part of the audience, but it's kind of the applause. Mm-hmm. And there's a quality to the applause. So, um, you know, you can get claps that you like. Mm. <laughs> Or you can get claps that are mm-hmm. polite, and and I expected that people that that know me, um, people who are my friends or my colleagues, 
I've had feedback from them and and I expected it to be nice feedback because um, they know me and they like me and, and what I really needed was um, the kind of, on the journey, so in the practice, I needed the kind of feedback that, you know, told me how it is, shredded mm-hmm. it, critical, um, you know, put it to pieces and let me have another go. Um, but then finally, when the book was completely finished, you know, that's my dance. Mm-hmm. And so um, still I want to hear, hear, is this okay or not? Um, you know, what's the response? And and that's the, the applause. And so with the applause that I got, um, from reviewers, I was really surprised and uh, um, very pleased that mm-hmm. that it, you know, yeah, it was a good dance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're being modest, but come on, let re- read me that that review that uh, you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah, from Richard Churches. Um, he's the principal advisor for research and evidence based practice and the Education Development Trust. Um, And he says, the power of effective questioning to transform learners' understanding is undeniable. Julie's book provides an outstanding guide for teachers who want to use questioning strategies that have become well-established in therapy and counselling to promote deep thinking and reflection. Definitely one for every teacher's bookshelf. And, yeah, I thought, good. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Congratulations indeed. That is really nice to hear. And uh, for there are a few people who listen to this podcast who are interested in hypnotism. Um, they may also know Richard Church's name. So he's not just a big name in the world of education. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys might want to look him up. Um, so when all of that, and as we're coming to the end of our time, um, Everybody's going to be excited about this book and how uh, they can get hold of their own personal pair of uh, dancing shoes and, and start giving it a go. So where can they get... what? What's the book's title? Where can they get hold of it? Okay, the book's called Clean Language in the Classroom. Um, it's by Crown House Publishing. Um, so they can go to um, crownhouse.co.uk and look at new releases um, and they'll find or just type in the search clean language in the classroom or you can get it on Amazon it's been on Amazon for a while now just um, search Julie McCracken or clean language in the classroom and you'll get straight to it um, it's released on the 28th of April so that's a week on oh no by the time this goes out it it's going to be in the past by the time this goes out which is great because <laughs> it means that people can just rush out and get it straight away yeah. is it is it available on the kindle on amazon or just hard copy i don't think it's on kindle yet um that's something for the future i think it will be but not yet and one thing i need to say before we finish is that this is not just for teachers i know for a fact that Parents of children will absolutely love this. Find it really, really useful. Well, yes, I've got um, I've got reviews um, from a parent as well. Um, I'll read that one to you. Go ahead. Because that's dear to my heart. Two people have given a review. One of them a specialist teacher who's who's um, observed lots of work in my classroom, so she knows that you know what's in the book. I actually do, 
And of course, um, there's nothing like a parent who you've had her son in your class for two years um, to to give feedback that's, you know, dead accurate because it's what's been happening in the classroom with her children. Um, she's given a long book review, so I won't read it all to you, but it ends with, despite many magical moments, there's nothing fey or romantic about clean language in the classroom. It's a practical and methodological guide to a pedagogical approach, which as a parent whose son was lucky enough to spend two years being taught by McCracken, I can confirm is capable of producing incredible outcomes, not just academically, but in terms of the development of the whole child as a confident, thinking, curious individual, always looking for where his learning will take him next. That's from Helen Murray. Um, she's editor of Teach Secondary magazine, so she's got a role as a parent and as somebody with a great interest in education. So this is going to be really exciting, isn't it? I mean, it already is exciting to us, but I actually I think it's going to be exciting to an awful lot of people um, yeah. in the coming weeks and months. So uh, I think we're going to see some amazing dancing going on. <laughs> thank you, Julie. <laughs> well, well done for, for getting it out there. And thank you very much indeed for being on the podcast. Right. Thanks for having me. It's been good fun. You've been listening to Collaboration Dynamics with Judy Reese. Ask your questions and leave your comments at judyreese.co.uk.